This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I, I know who I am. Hey, off and running on this Saturday, September 17th. Hey, how's everybody living? How's everybody doing? In case you are not aware, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Gordon Damer. And, of course, you can find me on TikTok at Old Man Radio. But most importantly, you can find me right here on your radio until 5.30 tonight. So a little bit of an abbreviated Saturday show. But, man, we are locked and loaded We are jam-packed. There is so much to get into in these next two and a half hours because, in case you also weren't aware, the NFL is back. Oh, I mean, think at what an eventful week this has been. Since the last time we were together on a Saturday afternoon, think back, just a week ago, we had the anticipation of a new NFL season for the Jets. We had a new NFL season for the Giants. And, you know, if you're a football fan, you're a crazed football fan, last Saturday it was like Christmas Eve, right? The the night before. And uh, when you opened up your presents on, on Christmas Day, one fan base got, uh, what, a brand-new bicycle or something. You know, as a kid, you get a brand-new bike, and, and the other fan base got slipper socks. And the slipper socks didn't fit, and, oh, yeah, they also had a hole in them. So uh, it was a very eventful week. And think about what happened this week for both football teams. One team, the Giants, it took all of one week, all of one game for Giant fans to fall in love again. They are not buying in, not getting on the band. The bandwagon is full up. It is standing room only. They you ever see like those those uh, those gifs or gifs, whatever you call them, of of trains. I'm not sure if it's in Japan or where it is, but like they're pushing the people into the train. That's the giant fan base again. They are back and board. They have fallen in love. They are ready to get married after five years of some of the worst football in the history of the organization. Bad decisions. Bad coaches. Awful GM, season after season, over before Halloween. Bad losses, bad plays, bad players. It took all of one week to fall. They have bought in people. They are sold. You do not have to, sometimes you have to give them the sales pitch. They are not, they are not interested in the sales pitch. They got one, two, three words out of your mouth in the sales pitch, and they had already bought what you are selling. They are in on Brian Dable. They are in on this team. And it took all of one week to, for Giant fans to just, you know, forget about the last five years. You would think after going through the five years that Giant fans just went through, there would be a, a, a tough skin, right? You, you've got the scars over the last five years that you would, if nothing else, have built up like a healthy skepticism. Hey, you know what? I need to see a little bit more before. No, they're not. No, nothing more needs to be seen or, or said. And it just shows you uh, that Giant fans, look, everybody says it. Fans boo because they want to cheer. And certainly the Giants gave their fans something to cheer about in week one. And hopefully this is a now- big boy league. 
Yeah, this is a big boy league, and the Giant fans are completely on board with everything that has taken place so far, and it has not taken much to get them to start looking ahead a little bit, not just to this week, but taking a look at the schedule, taking a look at the division, taking a look at the landscape of the sport, and that all happened in one week. There's always anticipation for a new season. There's always hope when you have a new coaching staff and a new regime. But it took all of one week for Giant fans to completely buy in to what's going on with their team. So that's awesome. On the other side, it also only took one week for the Jets head coach, Robert Sala, to go from positive vibes only to keeping receipts and shoving them down people's throats. I mean, that was fast. You thought the giant turnaround was fast. That was really fast. He went from don't worry, be happy to serenity now, serenity now. I mean, he sounded like Alec Baldwin's character in Glengarry Glenn Ross. Put that coffee down. Coffee is for closers. Oh, my Lord. That was a quick turnaround. Now, the Jets haven't turned things around. Who knows? There's always another week. There's always another game. And hopefully it turns around quickly here because, again, he's on record as saying he's keeping receipts. So if you're on the other side, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're also going to keep receipts. We're also going to be keeping receipts to see if the Jets show any signs of life this week because we know we didn't get any signs of life from them last week. It was lifeless at the start, and it only went down from there. And any, any, any type of portrayal of, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. Defense played well for a half. It's like when your kid comes home from kindergarten and they made, made you a vase. It's like it's graded on such a scale of, oh, no, this is, no, it's not all bad. It's not all terrible. Yeah, sure, we lost, what, 13 games in a row in the month of September and the season is over once it hits October here, year after year? So that was a busy week. That was a busy week with a lot of change. So it's good that we have some things that we can rely on, like Frankie Montas stinking up the joint for the Yankees yesterday. I mean, you need things to rely on in life. When all things are, it feels like there's so much change and so much uncertainty, you have to compartmentalize to an extent and focus on the things that you know you can count on. Things that you know that you are going to be able to rely on. And Frankie Montas, ever since he got to the Yankees, boy, that guy has been terrible. And think about how bad he has been. They got him at the trade deadline a little over a month ago with the expectation he would probably be your number two playoff starter. And while we have some time before the playoffs start, and he still has some time to turn things around, would anybody feel comfortable? Honestly, would anybody feel comfortable with that guy making a postseason start, never mind being your number two starter come the postseason? You know me. I did not have high expectations for that move when it was made, and yet even with my low expectations, it's even been worse than that. And I distinctly remember, maybe you do too, people arguing on the Saturday show, well, you know, the Montas trade – That's just as good as Luis Castillo, and you didn't have to give up your top prospects to get him. I distinctly remember people calling me up 
and arguing that Montas just as good as Luis Castillo. Now, I do not remember who it was. Well, I would love to remember the people who called up, but that's mostly because I have not heard from those people since. I've not heard from those people since. And I'm guessing after last night, I am not going to be hearing from them this afternoon. At 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776, because uh, we got a lot of stuff to get into with the Yankees. Because just, just when you thought, yeah, well, you know what? Maybe things have stabilized. We're getting a bunch of guys back from the injured list. We're starting to play a little bit better. We beat the Twins. We beat the last place Red Sox, who also kind of beat themselves in the process. Maybe things are getting back to normal with the Yankees. In one game last night, they, they took whatever maybe hopeful outlook you had on the team, and they flushed that right down the toilet. Because you had the starter go out there, get staked to a 5 nothing lead in the second inning, and he could not even make it through four innings. So he stunk. And then when the game had maybe stabilized a little bit, you're still in there, right? You bring in the closer, and he can't take care of anything either. So the Yankees had a starting problem last night, and they also have a closer issue. No, no matter what Aaron Boone might tell you, because Clay Holmes has not been good now for a while. He's given up runs in his last four outings. Against the Red Sox, you had to bring in Peralta to close the game. This month, he has an ERA of four and a half. Last month, he had an ERA almost seven. And maybe he has not been as bad as he has been at other times, but he's not been reliable. And that's what you're looking for from your closer. So the Yankees had a starter problem last night, as well as a closer issue moving forward. And they got a lot of issues and not too much time to fix all these issues. They got to get a bunch of guys back from the injured list, and they got to get a bunch of guys going in the right direction again before you can have any level of confidence that the Yankees have gotten back to where they were earlier this year. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, let's get into the football a little bit. Let's get into the Jets. Let's get into the Giants because both have big games for different reasons this week. For the Giants, it's about seeing, is this for real? Are they for real? Can they start 2-0? Is there actually legitimate reason to think that this season might not go the way a bunch of seasons have gone here recently? And then for the Jets, it's getting late early. It's getting very late early. And they have a game this week that it doesn't seem like anybody has any confidence at all that they are going to win. But they got to show you something on Sunday because it can get ugly fast. This last week shows you how quickly things can change. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. People think it's easy to find all this great information that I give you during that segment. It's not easy. You gotta, you gotta go through a lot of misinformation. Like there was one popular TikTok this week that was the lock, the betting lock of the week, and it was take Nebraska against Oklahoma. Now I don't, I, I'm not a big college football guy. I don't bet college football, but I mean it was a TikTok that got a lot of views. It makes you jump out and say, well, maybe, maybe this guy knows something. Maybe. He didn't know anything. It's uh, At last check, it was Oklahoma, what is it now? 49-13, extra point pending. <laughs> but don't worry. At 5 o'clock, it will be actual factual information we give you when we do what I learned on TikTok. 
I uh, look with the the football teams. It is a very interesting start for very different reasons. And I want to start with the Giants because, you know, I I feel like at this point almost the Jets have been done to death. Uh, It really feels like it's it's a replay. It would be like going to see the same movie and reviewing the same movie every single week for five years. Yes, the movie still stinks. Well, what did you expect? You expect the movie to get better at some point, right? No. It's the same movie. And unfortunately for the Jets, even though the, you know, the actors might change, the director might change, the producers might change, it's, it's the same movie, man. Same old song and dance. So let's start with the Giants because they actually gave you something to watch. And I can get why there is some, some genuine optimism and, and, and genuine excitement because you'd like to think that at some point one of these teams is going to give you relevant football past Halloween and if one, it's only one week, but if one week is any guide, it, we already are looking at only one of those teams as that being a possibility. So Giant fans have certainly bought in, and uh, that, great. I get, and I get it. I get it. It's a new coach. He had an aggressive play call. Think about the difference between the last time the Giants were at MetLife. Their head coach was running a quarterback sneak from his four-yard line on third and nine. And then last week, obviously, Brian Dable, the call that everybody fell in love with, even though I would love to see the alternate universe where the two-point conversion doesn't work and the Giants lose that way, I'm guessing there would not be as many people that were, you know what, that was the right call, even though it didn't work out. That's a sentence that does not get used at all. In, in sports fan, it was the right call, even though it didn't work out. So, uh, look, I, I would still be a little skeptical about the Giants. I, I don't know that I'm, I'm necessarily changing my anticipation for the season because, again, in the long run, what this season should be mostly about is not really wins and losses. Every, every team has to win games. But to me, this year is still, even though that last week was a great win, it's an evaluation year. It's a new regime, and they have to find out what they have on this roster that will be part of the team when they are good again. Is there anything on the team that will be part of And when I say good again, the Giants are not a team that, you know, eight wins. That's good. No, Giants are an organization that has experienced the ultimate success. So it's about when are they going to be a playoff team again? When are they going to be, you know, competing to win playoff games? That's what it should be about. And this year should be an evaluation year. An evaluation year of the the quarterback, clearly, and an evaluation of what the roster is going to be moving forward. So I get it. Easy schedule. You look at it. You know, these first four games, it sets up very nicely. The division, especially with the injury to Dak Prescott, even before the injury to Dak Prescott, maybe, uh, the division does kind of seem wide open. And the big part of week one was clearly the reemergence of Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley looked sensational. He was the game changer that you envisioned him being when he was taken as the second pick in the draft, uh, what, five years ago? And he looked great, and, and good for him. He, he backed up all the talk. He did not take a long time. He was keeping receipts, right, and saying that for all the people that have doubted him after the last three years, the way they have gone, he had his most impactful game probably since his rookie season. There's not a lot of competition there. But it's funny because now it seems like the, the reaction for a lot of Giant fans that I saw on Twitter was, well, how do you like him now? Well, he was sensational. 
So I do like him. I, I like when he is, is an explosive player and playing great and, and, and a key to the Giants winning games. But that has not... I base my opinion on what the evidence is. And I'm sorry, as great as his game was on Sunday, the last three years, he's either been hurt or ineffective. Sunday, he was explosive. He was decisive. And that's awesome. That was one of the things he had to show this year that he actually did have again because last year he did not have that, even when he was playing. So it's great that he showed that explosiveness, but now he has to show the other part, which is still a major question, even as great as he was on Sunday, that he can stay healthy. And for the Giants, it's really kind of a, a bit of a conundrum because clearly you want he is the engine of the offense, right? When you take a look at the, the other skills positions on this team, uh, there's not a lot of help for the quarterback right now. Kenny Galladay does not look like – he looks like a shell of, him, uh, of what you thought you were getting. Uh, as good as Sterling Shepard looked on Sunday, he is a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries in his own. Kadarius Toney can't get on the field. Even when he does, he can't stay on the field. Uh, Robinson's already hurt. I mean, Richie James had a nice performance on Sunday, but I'm not, I'm not sure how much of a, of, a, of a major factor he will be. So this offense – it's going to be the Saquon Barkley show, and that's, I think, what he wants, right? Going into a contract year, he is going to get plenty of opportunities to uh, make things happen. The problem is, is that given his injury history, do you have to be a little careful to not wear him out because you don't have a whole lot of other options there? And he was great, and other teams are now going to be looking and saying, all right, you know, he, he only faced, I think it was uh, a stacked box, like 5% of the plays on Sunday. That, I'm guessing, is going to change. Now, even if it changes this week against Carolina, that might not matter. Carolina stacked the box against Nick Chubb last week, and it didn't matter one, one bit. He was able to run right through them, and, and uh, Kareem Hunt did the same thing. But I do think the Giants, in terms of their offense, it's pretty clear who's going to have to make things happen, and it's Saquon Barkley. He made it happen last Sunday. Can he continue to do that and stay healthy in the process? That is a major, major question moving forward. But good for them. I'm excited for Giant fans. I'm excited to see what they can do this week. We'll have our picks a little bit later on in the show. The Giants will be featured in that pick segment. So all good stuff, Giant fans. All good stuff. But again, it is one game. And I would have just thought that after the last five years, there would have been a little bit of skepticism about it's only one game. We got to keep things in perspective. No, that, that has not has not been the case at all. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go out to uh, Emmanuel is in Flushing. Emmanuel, your first up. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? I'm good, man. What's going on? Never much, man. Uh, listen, uh, I would say this. Uh, I would, like, about a week ago, everybody would, would, would like, predict, like, believe that the Jets will have a better, um, will have, will turn, uh, will have a better direction than the Giants. Now, one week later, the, uh, the table is turned. Now, the Giants look at the team as they're in the right direction, and the Jets are not. I always, and, also just, uh, and second, I want to say, Robert Solid needs to keep, to look at his team more than, more than what, uh, what the people said about him. Look, I get the fact that you look at every season of others, but, the, uh, the, but the, well, what about the, the people out there looking at your receipts? You're 4-14. You haven't really done anything to, 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 like, to like really, you know, to, to back, your, your back your claim. And, and also this, we all know about New York. They're impatient of three things, sports, 
food and politics. That's it. We're impatient about No, I think, Emmanuel, thanks for the phone call. I think we're impatient on everything. Uh, yeah, that, that is part of the deal. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, but it, it's the NFL. Everybody's impatient. No, no fans want to wait any longer than they have to. And it's funny to me, especially watching the Jets and Giants the last five years, that people will still continue to preach patience. Think about the, not the people that are in charge right now. Think about the people that have been in charge the last five years. Was their issue patience? Have, were we not patient enough? With, um, with Dave Gettleman or Mike McCagnan or John Idzig or the coach. I mean, I don't think the patience was – it was production that was actually the issue. And, and I'll just say this. Uh, maybe there were more people that were optimistic on the Jets than the Giants. I, was, I said uh, two weeks ago I was more optimistic about the – now, part of it was I was more optimistic about the Giants because of things that were outside of their control. You look at that schedule – uh, their schedule, especially early on, sets up very easily. There's not that stretch of the Giants schedule that's just like uh, a, a, you know, uh, just a, uh, an awful stretch of games where it's like, oh, they're going to lose four games in a row. Every time they have a, a really difficult, what you think will be a really difficult game, uh, it, it's followed up by what you would think is a, a manageable game, a winnable game. So I, I like that for them, and I like the fact that it's – it's that they got a bunch of guys with something to prove, and it's not just something to prove. Everybody's got something to prove, right? I mean, it's day-to-day. It's a day-to-day league. It's a week-to-week league. But the Giants have guys who have stuff to prove that they belong in the roles that they have for any organization, not just their own, right? Like we talk about Daniel Jones. He has to prove that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL one week in, an efficient, if not spectacular, performance. So they got the win. That's all you can ask for. So he's proving that he it's not about just staying with the Giants. It's about showing that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Same thing with Saquon Barkley. He has to prove that he is worthy of a big second contract. And what team will be willing? I mean, that's very difficult to get these running backs on second contracts. As great as he was on Sunday, he can be that great all season long. And for the Giants, for just, I mean, you take a look at the history of running backs on second contracts. It's almost always a mistake. Not always. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, but it's almost always a mistake to go out and spend big resources on a running back at any point, especially in that second contract. And for a guy who's been hurt as much as Saquon, that'll be the tale. Like, if he can stay healthy the entire season and do anything close to what he did on Sunday, then he's going to get a big second contract. I just question whether or not the Giants will be in that position to do that. Uh, let's go out to Anthony is in the mail truck. Anthony, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Gordon, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, Anthony. What's going on? Good. Nothing much. Um, so before I get to my Giants point, you're a Chargers fan, correct? No, I'm a Dolphin fan. Oh, I don't know. Was Larry just making fun when, when he when he called you a Chargers fan the other night? Well, I mean, there's always that little playful hearing. back and forth because I watched uh, Justin Herbert, and I, I envision he should have been my quarterback – and, you know, I'm not a big Tua fan, so there's that. There's, gotcha. He was rubbing salt in the wound a little bit, that Larry Hardesty. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, so getting to my Giants point, I, I'm a I'm a Cowboys fan, so, you know, this is coming from, you know, a right. bias here. But, yeah. you know, what no one's talking about is the Abel had nothing to lose going for two. And had everything to gain. And he gained it. But being, he doesn't – not that he doesn't care if they lose, because obviously he cares and – you know, the Giants organization cares that they, you know. But if they lose that game, they were, they were quote-unquote, supposed to lose that game. So if they lost by one, you know, they, they lost by one. You know what yeah. I mean? 
Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Anthony, and thanks for the phone call. But unfortunately, we know how this works. If he had gone for two and it did not work, I'm telling you right now, very few people would have taken the approach of, well, you know, they gave it a good try. <laughs> As I said in the open, nobody would say be saying, well, it didn't work out, but it was the right, it was the right call to make. No, people would have been absolutely hammering it. It's all based on results. Is that fair? No, probably not. Probably not, because I do think it was the right thing. I want I want my coach to be aggressive, and sometimes that's going to blow up in your face. And if they had a play, you know, there's nothing worse than going for two and it gets stuffed in the backfield. Think, oh, what do you do? Just play for. But that was the right. I do think that that was the right approach. I think I would have felt that way even if it didn't work. I think the Giants were as not as talented a team as Tennessee, and extending the game like you would have been doing there by tying it. I think you're just allowing the more talented team to eventually win the game. So I don't have a problem with, and again, as much as we all credit that decision as being the right decision and it worked out, Tennessee did have a game-winning field. They walked right down the field in very little time and had a game-winning field goal attempt that was not 64 yards like the the Bronco. I mean, that was a very makeable field goal, and they completely botched it. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what the Giants can do this week. This is a very winnable game, and not to tip off the, the pick segment, this is a game they should win. You know, if, if you can go on the road and beat Tennessee, which I think Tennessee is going to be taking a step back this year, but if you can go on the road and beat Tennessee when you're at home, you have to be able to to win that game. You know, there's, I mean, when was the last time the Giants have been favored at home in any of these games? It, it does not happen that often in the last five years. It's been a rough go of things. And if the Giants want to show this is truly different, it's not about getting one win. It's about showing that you can play a little prosperity because the Giants have gotten some wins here, you know, the last couple of years, but they've never been able to follow that up. They've never been able to back that up. So here is a great spot. And if this is for real, you'll know. You'll know right away because if they can come out of this stretch of the season, this first month of the season, sitting in good shape, and there's no reason, given the schedule that they have, that they're not sitting here at least at two and two, well, then then you got something you can talk about. Then you got something to feel good about, even if it does go sideways at some point. Because again, this year is about establishing something for the long run. It's not, it's not, they're not a win now team by any stretch of the imagination. Clay is in Brooklyn. Clay, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, listen, thanks for taking my call. Um, I want to make a point about Saquon's second contract, if I may, but first let me say something about the game last week that I don't hear people talking about. We scored three touchdowns. They scored two touchdowns and two field goals. We're supposed to win that game 21-20, but we already missed an extra point. So all I hear people talking about is, well, what if the two-point conversion didn't work? What if the extra point didn't work? I think he would have got hammered more going for one again and having that fail again and us losing that game 2019 with three touchdowns when we should have had 21 points. So I think he had nothing but house money to go for the two because you're supposed to have 21 points after three touchdowns. But all I hear about it. I I hear what you're saying, Clay, and – Maybe you're right. I just know if they went for two and didn't get it, people wouldn't be looking back at the missed field goal or the missed extra point or we got three touchdowns. They'd be saying, you had a chance to tie the game. You had an easy – all you have to do is kick an extra point. You've already missed one but of the we had game. Already you should be able to that make that. that. Wasn't people would be happy. My, my point is – I'm what giving if them the credit for, for going for it. What if – okay. Now, I want to say, Quan, what's wrong with incentive-laden contracts? I think he's the most talented running back in football. 
but he is injury prone. So what's wrong with saying, hey, listen, we'll give you, you know, eight or ten million dollars guaranteed a year for two years or three years. And if you perform, if you play 15 games a year, if you have 1,500 yards, you can earn another four or five million dollars a year. If you get 1,500, 1,600, 1,800 yards of, to- of scrimmage yards, you're worth 15 million dollars. No, almost no receiver gets anywhere near that. But nobody bats an eye at receivers getting 18, 20, 25 million dollars. Some of them getting more than that. But a running back that gets 1,800 scrimmage yards, they complain about him making 15 million dollars. That's ridiculous. That kind of productivity is absolutely worth that money. But you have to make it an incentive laden contract. Yeah, well, look, Clay, and thanks for the phone call. He's he's going to be a free agent, so it's about what team is willing to offer him the most money. And it's not just the most money on paper; it's the most guaranteed money. That's what guys want, you know, because contracts generally are not guaranteed. They're going to he's going to want the biggest number overall. Now, again, I don't know. Maybe for Saquon and his brand, he's willing to take a little bit less overall from the Giants because he's in New York and he feels like that's value. I don't know. But I just know in terms of that position, take a look at NFL teams. Outside of punter and kicker, their resources do not go towards running backs. They do not go when they're coming out in the draft. They do not come uh, second contracts, even for guys who are super productive. You, I mean, think about how many guys have been super productive and have had to fight tooth and nail to get that second contract and, and get a, the, the money that they're looking for. And Look at how that has turned out. Like Zeke Elliott is a perfect example. Derrick Henry, that might turn out to be another example. Uh, Todd Gurley back. I mean, there's been a lot of examples that that position has a very short shelf life. So you're right. If they can come up with some, if if Saquon goes on and has some amazing year this year, uh, maybe they can work out some sort of deal where it's dependent upon how much he plays in the future, but I'm thinking if it's if you're a running back and this is your chance to cash in and almost certainly your last chance to really cash in, he's going to be looking at the most guaranteed money. And given how the Giants are constructed, given the uh, track record of Joe Shane in Buffalo, other organizations around the NFL, that is not generally a position that people sink major resources into. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. All right, so coming up, we'll continue to take your phone calls on the Giants, but let's get into the Jets as well. We have avoided the negative for as long as we can, but now it's time to uh, the airing of grievances, the airing of receipts on the Jets' first week performance uh, last week against the Baltimore Ravens and what's in store this week for the Cleveland Browns. A game that I bear, I dare I say, a winnable game for the Jets in September. We'll get into it next. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. About the, uh, the Giants' big win and a big game on Sunday, as if you could have a big game the second week of the season, but you'd like to see that carry over, right? It was not a, a complete performance last week, but at least for the Giants, they they held in there, right? Fall down 13 nothing on the road, a game that not expected to win, but they hold their own. They're able to work their way back. They hit a couple of plays, and they pull out a win, pull out a victory. Good job. What they didn't do was fall behind 13 nothing, and then just start throwing the ball all over the place, hope to catch up, 
which, of course, we saw last week with the New York Jets. And, and look, um, there's been a lot said about the Jets this week because of the, the comments of the head coach. And tomorrow they face off against the Browns. Our coverage gets underway 11 a.m. on Sunday. And for me, everybody's trying to figure out, well, Robert Sala was saying that. He wasn't really saying that to the fans. He wasn't really saying that to the media. He was saying that to show his guys his, in the locker room that he has their back. He was showing support to his guys. Well, it's not going to really matter who who it's a benefit for. It, it seemed like it was just an emotional outburst at the time. It was not as nearly as calculated as everybody's trying to make it out. The end of the day, you have to show some progress. We're not looking for huge leaps from the Jets this year. Nobody is expecting that. But you got to start showing progress. You got to start showing some evidence. And there's been no evidence. And as I mentioned in the open, it's the same old song and dance. It's not just that they can't win in September. Most of the time in these games, they're not even in them. They're now 0 for 10 in their last September, uh, last 10 September games. And seven of those games have been double-digit losses. You come out week one of the season, everybody's fired up. Fans are fired up. Players are fired up. And you turn on the Jet game, and you know exactly how it's going to go right away. They looked listless against the Ravens. And for all the talk about Joe Flacco or passing, all, all fair, to me, the number one thing that still jumps out is the Jets' offensive line is still a mess. It is a mess. It was not good on Sunday. You know, for Robert Sala basically to admit that the offensive line cost them kind of the – he said – when Joe had time to throw, he, he did fine when he was in a clean pocket. Well, the problem was he wasn't in a clean pocket very often. And why was that? Because the offensive line is still not very good. Well, Gordon, they've had injuries. Injuries? They had an injury to Mekhi Becton, who was a major question mark coming into the season. And then they had an injury to Dwayne Brown, who's, who you signed a month ago, and who's 37, who it was a desperation kind of move. And this was a huge problem Walking in the door for Joe Douglas. He was hired in June of 2019. He's drafted guys. He's signed guys. They've had nine first or second round picks in the last three drafts that he has run. They've spent money. They've spent resources. And still, the offensive line was at best shaky on Sunday. And it, it would be one thing if it was the, the rookie kid at right tackle who was the he, – he didn't look so bad. It was the big money guys on the left side that would, were the problem. So they ha- – I, I don't know how you do that on the fly in the course of the season, but that, that's a major problem, man, and has been so for forever. You know, Fant and Tomlinson, that was, that was a major problem. Now you're going up against Cleveland – who has a couple of pass rushes of their own, and you still have Joe Flacco back there, how many times is he going to have a clean pocket tomorrow? Uh, let's hope it's more. Let's hope the production is a little bit better. And so when uh, Robert Sala comes out this week and talks about you know keeping receipts and all that type of stuff, and it's almost like this, this mentality that is, well, you know, you stay on your side. You stay, don't change your opinion. If you're not on, on, on board with us now, when we get good, 
you don't get to no that's not how opinions work <laughs> i know that's not always the case in life in, in 2022 but opinions are based on generally on what the evidence is and the evidence is that the jets have been the the worst team in the in the sport for 5 years and and put up one of the worst performances of week 1 NFL head coaching is not subjective. It is wins and losses, and we, as the, the fans, as the media, we have nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. So go out and win a game. And for the Jets, this is a winnable game. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe people aren't viewing it that way. You're playing the Browns. The last time the Browns were 2-0, and 2-0, and you know who their head coach was? It was Bill Belichick. The last time they were two. Nick Saban was their defensive coordinator. Vinny Testaverde was their quarterback. They're playing with their backup quarterback just like you. And and, and, and in terms of Vegas, they're only favored by six, which, all right, that might be a lot. I think that's based more on how you looked last week than how they looked last week. They are a one-dimensional team. They run the ball. Their quarterback threw the ball 40 times last week and had like 150 yards. Go out, have your defense, which you were touting as doing such a positive, go out and make a play, score some points, and go get a win. And then you get to show as many receipts as you want, at least for a week. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Frank is in Jersey. Frank, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Yo, bud, um, I was going to talk about the two-point conversion, but I got to pivot real quickly to Salah. That was a Joe Judge moment to me. Um, I mean, I'm a Giant fan. I heard that speech in, like, week 15, 16 of last year. I mean, uh, you know. And that did not go put well. Put a product on the field. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, and that, and that did not go well, I said. <laughs> his, yeah, his exactly comments right. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you got to take accountability for what just happened on the field. And, uh, you know, uh, you know it's, it's a show-me league, no question about that. Uh, as far as the two-point conversion, I disagree with you. I am surrounded by rabid Giant fans. I had a couple of friends over. I had my brother on the phone from Virginia. When they didn't even discuss going for that two-point conversion, when they knew they were going to go for that two-point conversion, when that two-point conversion team just trotted out on the field, plenty of time left on the play clock, everybody I knew, we were high-fiving. We could care less whether they made that two-point conversion or not. Well, that's fair. Nobody, I, I, I think I was meaning more of the media because it's been universal that the media well, maybe was like, the media, oh, that's the yeah, right maybe call the media, you know? I, I mean more the media than fans, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but again, you know, I, I could care less about the media. You know, I mean, uh, I've had to deal with, 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 with the media garbage for, for 40 years as a Giant fan. So, uh, you know, I remember when they were beating the hell out of Phil Sims. I remember when uh, Eli Manning was the worst quarterback in professional football. So I've been there, done that. Um, but, but. But my, my core group, when they went for two, it's like, finally, finally, give us something to root for. And I know it's only one game, but, boy, if you got the right coaching staff, you got yeah. the right organization, these players on these teams, they have equal talent as far as I'm concerned, 90% of them. You got your 10% superstars, but – but you get a good coach in there, you instill a culture, you start winning football games. So um, hopefully that's what we got in, in Shane and Dayball. I don't know if we do. It's one game. Yeah, it's one but game. But it sure was fun to watch. 
Yeah, no, I get you. And, Frank, you've not had a lot to enjoy, and thanks for the phone call here the last few years. And the NFL absolutely is a coaching league. Uh, you got to have somebody running the show that knows what they're doing. And to me, even more than the decision to go for two, which obviously is the one everybody's going to focus on, you know, it all works out and everything like that, the fact that they fell down by 13 points and never lost back, you know, they never panicked they never started just chucking the ball left and right, you know, and that's the opposite. The Jets were not nearly in as bad a position. Their running game was productive for them early on, and yet they lost balance almost immediately when they fell behind. I mean, that game at the half last week for the Jets was still a winnable game. I don't know how many people thought down 13 nothing on the road to the Titans, uh, who were the number one seed last year, that the, that the Giants were going to be coming back and, and winning that game, but the coaching staff kept balance. They, they kept going to, I mean, their best player at this point, clearly, is Saquon Barkley. They kept riding him. He finally broke some plays, and they get back in it. The quarterback did not make too many killer mistakes, even though the interception in the end zone certainly seemed like one at the time. So good job for them. And now it, do, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not like you get to say after one game, well, that's all. No, they got to go and do it again this week. I mean, that's, that, that's another winnable game against Carolina at home, no less. Uh, Sean is in Puerto Rico. Sean, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Gordon, how are you? Big fan of your show. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate that. Yeah, a question, just kind of piggybacking what some of these callers have been alluding to. I agree with you. I think Saquon's going to have a breakout year. And as much as I want the best for Daniel Jones, do you think Saquon having a breakout year and will indirectly legitimize Daniel Jones, or do you think they will still explore options in the draft or in the offseason? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to uh, to unpack there, uh, Sean. Uh, yeah. It will kind of depend. I think they will be able to have a – I mean, they know going into this year they have to evaluate the quarterback. Um, so I, I don't think that if Saquon goes off and has, you know, this monster season where he's, you know, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns that they're going to allow that to make them think that Daniel Jones is better than he is. Their, their, their receiving room is not real healthy right now, but I would think at some point that Kadarius Toney will be able to get on the field. I would think at some point they'll get Robinson back and, and, and be able to do some things in the passing game, and they'll evaluate Jones based on that. He was efficient. Uh, on, on Sunday last week, he didn't he didn't end up killing them, even though the turnovers did pop up again. So they're, they're, that's the thing about the Giants that I like this year is there's no reason for them to hold back with the quarterback. They should be throwing everything at him. It's not just about to find out if he's competent because competent play at quarterback. It's kind of easy to find that now in the league. It's about finding that that breakout star or that you know that that extraordinary player at the position. So they'll have plenty of time to figure that out, whether or not Saquon has this unbelievable season that a lot of people expect or not. Okay. Thank you. All right, Sean. Thanks for the phone call. This is the Gordon Damer show on 98.7 ESPN.